BeastNet podcast, sponsored in part by James Safety Services, OCR Buddy, and supported by the fitness community. Here we discuss all things fitness-related, running, rucking, mental health and preparedness, and of course, obstacle course racing. Welcome to the BeastNet. Hey everybody out there in BeastNet land. Today you got Brother Boggs and I'm talking with Ed from Frontline OCR. And we're talking about his upcoming event here on the Local Flavor Show, where we talk with race directors. Ed, how you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thanks for asking. I appreciate you having us on. Yeah, no, it's always a, a great pleasure to, to get race directors on and talk about what's going on out in the, the world right now. Um, the last few months, our show's kind of focused on mental health and getting through the uh, COVID pandemic, but... This last month, we decided now that races are back up and running that we need to get focused on getting the local race and our hashtag race local friends back out there. And uh, you guys are hosting an event here in about a month over in Illinois. So yes, sir. Figure we better get on the on the horn and talk with you. So tell me a little about yourself. Who's Ed? Well, I'm the I'm one of the race uh, owners directors of the company. So. Uh, myself and my partner, uh, he and I worked in, in law enforcement together. He's still there. I just retired. So um, we decided to start up Frontline. And, you know, we're, we're former, I'm a former LEO, and that's what the race is all about. First responders, military, and, and now with uh, COVID and the essential workers, that definition has actually expanded a little bit more. But, you know, we're trying to recognize all those individuals. So what got you into obstacle course racing uh, prior to being a race director? You know what? It was interesting because I was um, I was watching television one night and uh, and I watched an episode of I think it was I think I think it was NBC or ESPN and they were showcasing Spartan racing and they had a segment where they were interviewing a young lady named Amanda Sullivan uh, and now and anyone who knows about Amanda Sullivan she had a real tragic background um, and has been dealing with adversity disability um, and has conquered and overcome a lot of these obstacles so. I saw her doing this cinder block drag with two of them up the mountainside. And the interviewer asked her, so, well, Amanda, you're only required to carry one. Why are you dragging two? And her response was like, well, I'm in such, so much pain all the time that one more, one more block isn't going to make a difference. So as soon as I heard that, it triggered something in my mind that I could do this. If this, if this individual has the will to do this and she is experiencing disabilities, that I, who am fairly able-bodied, can get out there and do it too. So I went online, found the nearest race for Spartan, signed up, uh, and the rest was history. Um, now, it segued from there as I started doing these races. Um, I met a lot of veterans on the course, you know, and after talking to them and befriending them, you kind of hear this, this similar storyline that they had come back from active duty overseas, having PTSD, alcohol, drugs, suicide, marriage down the drain. So these were common threads that were coming up, but the, 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 the similar aspect of the story was the fact that OCR saved their lives. So I began to think about that and I shared it with my buddy and I said, listen, this, here's something that we could bring attention to because there isn't a single race out there that's dedicated to frontline people, military um, or first responders. So, and it's saving people's lives. So why don't we create a race that honors all of them? Because, you know, a lot of people come back from overseas and they get into the service industry. They become police officers, firefighters, paramedics. They continue their civic duty. They continue honoring. They continue giving. So we wanted to give something back and acknowledge them and, and recognize them for the sacrifices that they're making to allow us to be able to do the things we do. So that was the whole genesis for Frontline OCR. 
sounds like an amazing idea coming from the, the background of law enforcement yourself and then expanding it out into something where people can get out there and experience the obstacle course races. Um, Amanda Sullivan, I've actually been following her for a while also. She was just uh, recently made firefighter. Uh, I don't know if the report you saw on her, I think, was was that before she had her leg amputated and was still yep. using the... No, 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 no. This was... Uh, oh, yeah, before. Yeah, before the <clears throat> amputation. Yep, Absolutely. And now that she's running with a blade, she's moving and feeling a lot better. And uh, she was actually able to make a fire department here very recently. Really? Yep. That is out, out, outstanding. So eventually we'll get her on the show and uh, you know, maybe she'll catch us. Hey, Amanda, we want you. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what? She's the type of person that um, if, you, if you have a pulse and you're, you have a heart and, and you are determined and you see someone who can do that, it's, it's amazing what, how that can trigger motivation in, in other people. And that's some, that's some of the experiences that we have with, uh, with the veterans that do our race who are, some of them are disabled. And when you talk to someone on the street or a friend is like, oh, I could never do that. That's too hard. You just point to this example. Here's an individual who's, you know, given up something, part of their lives and lost something. And they're able to accomplish and conquer these obstacles. So if they can do it, you can do it. And that's basically our motto is just get out and do it. Yeah, do you guys uh, work with Oscar Mike or Enduring Warrior, any of those we guys? We do. We do some, we've done some work with Oscar Mike in the past. They've supported us and come to our event, and we've promoted for them as well. They're a great cause, and we've sponsored some of their, um, their games that they've had. Uh, and this year, we're actually partnered up with Operation Enduring Warrior. So okay. we have a promotion where we're, um, we have a discount code out there available for them. And then for every use of that code, you know, we give back um, to them. And with the more entries that come in, the bigger the number becomes. So it's, it starts at 15 and it will, it will go to 20, 25. Uh, and we like to, you know, we like to give back to that organization. Yeah, that's a, a real good group there. Um, you know, they talk about how when you go overseas and you go into battle and you go into war and you come home, you may look um, normal, but a lot of times you're broken inside and that's what you're, you're really working to overcome. And, you know, getting out and doing these races for a lot of those guys, yeah, it kind of reminds them of the battlefield, but some of them need that to cope with it. Well, yeah, I mean, there's, it's that exhilaration. I mean, the people don't talk about that aspect, but being in law enforcement and being in, in a career where you have life and death situations, you truly feel that adrenaline dump and that feeling of being alive for that split second, you feel that you're alive. And that's really hard to capture when you're back in normal life and you're looking for that, that high again. And I think that's what obstacle course racing does in general is that you get that adrenaline dump, the endorphins are pumping, uh, you've accomplished something tremendous, and then you're now ready for the next obstacle course race. So you're looking to sign up. And that's kind of what I noticed the trend with these individuals is that they would go to these events, they would meet people, they would connect with the community, and they'd be ready for the next mission. And because they want to they recapture that feeling of mission, of camaraderie, um, the struggle, and so that was all something that really appealed to us. And we, we figured, you know, let's bring this to the forefront of the community and let people know what these individuals are experiencing by giving them a taste of frontline. So that's sort of what the whole niche for us is like replicating some of the hardships that individuals would experience on the frontline with extra gear, equipment, um, you know, just being under relentless pressure the whole time. And that's sort of what our race is about. So how many years have you been doing this race? Uh, our first race was 2017, so this is our fifth race coming up. All right, and you guys are just doing the one a year, or is that yeah? Uh, okay. One a year is really all I can manage because it, it comes down <laughs> to myself and my partner doing the work. So, as anyone who runs obstacle course races, unless you're one of the big companies where you can hire people and you have a, a huge budget, 
you know, we're just trying not to lose money. I mean, I had to dip into my retirement fund to get the, the, the company started. So right now my objective is don't dip any more into my retirement because I've already retired and I don't need, you know, I can't afford that. So, you know, we just donate what we can and make sure that we pay our overhead and uh, continue going. So my wife calls it an expensive hobby. I call it an expensive mission, but it's something that um, we really enjoy doing. We love hearing the testimonials of people who come to our race and who become fans of our race and supporters of us. So, you know, we're, we're very grassroots. It's good to hear that, uh, that, you've been able to have such an expensive mission. You know, the, the fact, the fact that you view it as a mission is, is truly probably the better way of seeing it because empowering people to get back out there, especially LEO or other frontline mm-hmm. you know, people has been a, a real tough thing to, for a lot of them to integrate into regular society and, and whatnot. Absolutely. Are you guys working out of a fixed course or do you Yes, we do. Well, the last uh, three races have been in Byron, Illinois, and we have a really good relationship with the landowner there. So at the moment, we don't see any reason to change it up. Um, it's a great location. It, the, the terrain is incredible. Um, we, can, we can manipulate it in many ways to change up the course or add new um, elements to it. If it's, a, if it's a, a rainy day, then the course itself becomes an obstacle because it, it's just mud. Um, plus, we have the, the the woods and the limestone uh, cliffs that we have to um, we have to ascend in some, in certain parts of the race. So it's a pretty scenic and diverse uh, venue. As far as uh, this year for your guys's, uh, I guess COVID changes. Have you gone out and done some research and figured out what all you're going to have to do to overcome that? Yes, actually, it's funny because we um, there's another local race that we support, Highlander Assault. They just had an event. And they're having another one in September, at the well, in a couple of weeks. So we're kind of piggybacking off of what they're doing, but really we're following the uh, CDC guidelines: as social distancing as much as possible, um, smaller waves, uh, less standing around during the festival area. And if you are in a festival area, you have to have a mask. Um, we just have to be smart about it. I mean, unless everyone's unfortunately testing is not readily available, which would eliminate a lot of these issues. Um, so we have to do the best we can under the circumstances and we simply can't cease to function. We just need to take precautions because every day you, you can, you can walk out the street and get hit by a car or, or suffer a heart attack or something. So I mean, there's risk involved in everything we do, but, and we try to minimize those risks as much as possible. Um, so, you know, doing handling COVID in a very similar manner and being smart about it, I think is the best we can do the best anyone really can do. There's no guarantees. Yeah, it's all about that acceptable risk factor. Uh, I was talking with Chad, uh, I don't know, yesterday, the day before, mm-hmm. and he, he was saying that uh, their Dark Ages event, the one that you're referring from a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, they still have uh, zero COVID traced back to theirs. So they're still real proud that it was a clean event and able to be put on without spreading COVID out there. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, he, he, he and his crew are, the, are blazing the trail here for us. So as we get back into the normal society, normal way of life, so we're following them very closely. Um, they've shared some documents with us and um, best practices, so we're definitely going to adopt that. So at the very minimum, with the two of us, we have this continuity in how we, how we operate our races. And, and, I, and, and he's a great guy. He's a fellow LEO, so I respect him tremendously, and some of his crew are also LEOs. So we have this common bond, and we, we help each other. So the race local um, theme is very strong amongst our, our races. Yeah, that's that's something that uh, out here on the West Coast, uh, we've we've generally only had a couple 
in Washington uh, local races. We got a bunch down in Oregon, but for some reason, Washington has been a, a very hard market to, mm-hmm. to have the local events in. Um, next year, we're actually one of our hosts is the, the race director of an event up in Port Townsend, Washington, which is just about as far northwest as you get before you leave the, the country. Oh, wow. <laughs> but uh, Very high, very high north. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun next year, and we'll be up there building with her and everything. Uh, but So let's talk about your race. You're talking about limestone quarries that you have to, to ascend and, and some other stuff. Uh, what can racers expect when they get out there? Well, you can expect a relentless uh, barrage of obstacles. So we have over 30 obstacles. Any, any uh, natural feature that we can incorporate into the race, we will incorporate it. So whether you're crawling, you're jumping, you're climbing – um, there's always going to be something there, a lift, a carry, a drag. Um, and actually this year we're going to be incorporating um, like a boot camp theme throughout. So you may have, um, instead of a conventional obstacle, you may come to a boot camp station. And at that boot camp station, maybe you'll do, have to do 20 pull-ups before you proceed to the next uh, obstacle or some type of a, a cinder block carry. Or We've got some really cool things. So we're trying to make it unique and always um, um, bring up the game because people have seen our race. Some people have been doing this as our fifth race. So we have to continue evolving and we have to continue, um, you know, bringing new challenges. And for newcomers, it's a great baptism by fire because if you can get through frontline and the, those people who do that, they find that the other races are just a little bit easier. Um, so they really appreciate the fact when they get, they earn that medal at frontline that they really earned it. I mean, you, that was no cakewalk. Whether you walk the course or not, you've got to go through that gauntlet of over 30 obstacles and terrain. Is uh, I'm still waiting for it to load, but uh, you guys run elite heats or anything where we it's do. mandatory completion? Or- it is. We have three heats that are, um, that are mandatory. So we have the special forces, and the special forces um, is a heat where you have to wear 16 pounds of body armor. And our sponsor, Condor Outdoor Supply, provides us with the, um, with the, the body armor. And it's 16 pounds, and you have to complete each obstacle mandatory. You can have as many chances as you want. You could be there unlimited times. We've had racers at some of our obstacles, no kidding, an hour and a half or longer. At every race, there's always an obstacle or two where there, there's, a, there's a line of special forces going over and over and over, and you can see them relentlessly trying to make the, the obstacle. And you see them in tears. Their hands are bloodied because they were at the monkey bars for an hour and a half, and they if they can't get through it, they drop the vest right there. Sort of like the band. So it's vests over bands for us. So it's kind of an ominous feeling when you are in special forces and you come up to an obstacle and you see a pile of vests laying there because you know that that's where a lot of people gave up and they couldn't make it. Um, So that's, that's a mandatory completion for that. We have our endurance heat, which is mandatory completion. And that's uh, four hours, unlimited laps, how many you can do within that time frame. But again, it's mandatory completion. And then we have now our Heroes Competitive Wave. So now that's a wave that's dedicated to first responders, uh, veterans, close family members of these individuals who race. And they also have uh, mandatory completion with podium opportunities uh, in those three waves. Yeah, that's, <clears throat> that's it's funny. Uh, mandatory completion versus penalties has kind of been something that we've gone back and forth here at the podcast about. And, you know, my personal opinion is mandatory completion is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one of my first experiences when I was out racing probably five years ago, four years ago was back when, uh, I think it was terrain race. They used to have money and you had to do mandatory completion. 
I, I came across this gal that was an elite racer that was on her fifth or sixth time trying to get through the uh, Tarzan ropes. Oh, yeah. And, and she went from first place to 10th place right there on that one obstacle. And she was in tears because she was going to finish it, but she couldn't believe that something that simple cost her first place. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a humbling. It's a humbling um, experience when you face that. And, you know, hats off to those people who are doing the special forces, because if you've never trained with people have used weighted vests, but a plate carrier with a solid plate is a game changer because your flexibility, your mobility is completely altered. Um, So, yeah, I have a a great amount of respect for those individuals who do that. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I just do it with a ruck, with the the ruck plate in it. So I know that little bit of Oh yeah, mobility loss on your back. But one of the other guys that we run with, he'll he'll train wearing a plate carrier, and you can see him with the front. You know, he he mm-hmm. doesn't have the ability to drop down and and do burpees, push ups, or any of that stuff as easily as someone just doing a ruck. So oh, absolutely no. And, you know, one of the it's funny you mentioned about the um, the burpees and such that um, you know a lot of races do have that as a penalty if you can't complete it, then you do burpees. Um, for our open waves, it's not mandatory completion, but if you opt out of it, like say you can't do it or you don't want to do it, well, then you, you have to at least do something there. So we, we, we designed an exercise called a 911. Um, then the 911 uh, is symbolic of obviously the, the catch, you know, 911 emergency, but the number of repetitions is 22. So it's symbolic to the 22 lives that are lost uh, by veterans through suicide each day in the United States. So if you can't do the obstacle, then or you choose not to do it, then you at least have to do twenty two nine one ones. You know that's a, an awesome thing to remind people about. Uh, we work with stop soldier suicide and and mm-hmm. uh, more heart than scars, which you know more heart than scars is primarily for helping adaptive athletes through races and whatnot. But a lot of our focus outside of that has been you know for the PTSD and the twenty two a day till Valhalla, Til Valhalla projects. Another one that I've been working with too. And, you know, these guys, you know, they, they do all these things to try to bring awareness to it. Does your business need first aid, AED, OSHA, flagging, or other safety training? James Safety Services is your one-stop shop. Find them on Facebook today at James Safety Services WA and ask for a quote on hosting your training needs. You know, events like yours where we kind of celebrate them coming home, um, mm-hmm. I think helps, helps them survive longer in this crazy world. Absolutely. Anything we can do to help them into, you know, reintegrate and have somewhat normal lives is, is the goal. Yeah. So as a race director, what, aside from COVID this year, what have you kind of come across that's been a a real challenge for you um, just in in learning or what's some of the the biggest life lessons that, that maybe you could pass on to the next guy that to help them out? Well, I I think that if you're going to start up a company like this, then you really need to be prepared to make sacrifices, whether it's monetary or just time and uh, and dedication to it. You better be prepared to that because it's not it's not an easy thing. It's you know, it's it's not like putting on a 5K and just run. There's a lot of moving parts to it, a lot of uh, variables that are known and unknown until the last minute. Um, the biggest challenges I think for us as a local race, and it's something I'm sure Chad would probably agree with, is the fact that we are competing against bigger companies. And the bigger companies, just by virtue of being around longer, having more dollars for marketing and advertising, will get a, a slew of people. Whereas for us, we have to fight for every customer that comes in. So for us, customer service has to be there. 
um, having that personal touch and trying to get the word out as much as possible without breaking the bank. Um, your marketing is huge. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest obstacles is trying to get people, to, even, even people who know about our race, and, but they're so diehard in one particular brand that it's hard to convince them to try something different. Um, and that's, you know, the people who have done other races and come to us, you know, we wear this as a, as a badge of pride when they cross the finish line and say, that was tougher than this race. And this is like, this is so hard. Hardest thing we've ever, ever done. So those are the types of things that make us feel happy that, especially for avid racers, for them to come across and say that this was a difficult race. You know, you know, you've done a good job when, when you have people coming off the course uh, saying, making those comparisons. Yeah. So, I don't know. If, I don't know if you ran into it at all last year. Uh, some of the major brands were having real problems with their dates and kind of changing them around quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And, and two of the local races that we work pretty closely with, uh, their events originally were on dates that, that a national wasn't in town. And then, you know, the national changed their date. And so we changed the, the local date and then we had to change it again because the national changed it again. It's almost like they're following us. Well, that's the thing is like, you, you <clears throat> never, you just never know. I mean, these big companies can block your dates by hosting a date and just popping a race up right at that in your same, you know, hundred mile radius um, to you just to, and I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, but it's too coincidental that it happens. And you're mentioning it too, that this kind of happens where a race comes up and it's strategically, it's at the same time that you're trying to do yours. So for us, we set a date and if it conflicts, it conflicts. There's nothing we can do about it. We can't be chasing dates uh, for these people, especially people like us who have, you know, we have schedules, we have to work. This is not our job. This is just something we love to do. Um, that we, we just can't keep chasing other dates. So we set it and hopefully people will be honorable enough and, and realize that the market is big enough to share. You, you know, there's, there's a variety of, of opportunities for everybody. Yeah, the, the team that we used to work with uh, was always the one that got all the Spartan biggest team. And mm-hmm. uh, anybody who brought a race up here, they always got the biggest team. And, and that's the group that you know, we started putting on a race, um, us and them and a, and a local company were putting on a local race. And that's the one that we swear Spartan was chasing us because they knew the biggest team was hosting their own race. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, it happens. It's unfortunate. But um, I guess that's the business model that, that they tend to follow. Um, yep. You got to you know, dominate. Small, yeah. Small races, we have to do something different to, uh, to carve a piece of the pie out. Um, one of the things that's always kind of come up, um, you started to touch on it, was racer retention, getting them to come back in the following years. Um, for a lot of race directors, that's kind of been a, a tough thing for them to to do. You'll have one year where you have a bunch of people out, and the next year, like, oh, well, I did that. Yeah. You know, how do you, how do you overcome that, uh, or what, what a, have you used? <laughs> that's a great question. I mean, I think the fact that we we come up with new ideas on the course um, or we bring in other, um, one, of the, the, one of the interesting things that we do is we sort of model it like OCR Worlds, where we will have local race companies, um, local race groups host obstacles at our race. So we give these people an opportunity to bring an obstacle. Um, they can design it. We'll, we'll supervise the build of it. But it, what it does is it gets some skin in the game. It gets them to bring other people out to see it. And, and just by default, and it's a really cool um, uh, after effect, is that each obstacle becomes more difficult than the next one. So everyone is trying to outdo their obstacle, which conveniently, it makes it more competitive and it makes it harder for the racers, which is good. I mean, I think people, that's one of the things that I think that like um, Chad's race and our race do well is that we have different obstacles. 
it's going to be different than what you might see at a bigger company race. It's not a standard, you know, uh, blueprint that's followed every single time. You know, we come up with some very unique ideas and we, we ask our community, the people who actually support us to come up with some ideas and, you know, bring it to the, bring it to the race. And we, we get good support from that. And I think that's sort of a, the reason we do tend to do well with our retention of our customers is that we, we, we not only treat them like customers, but we, 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 we befriend them because we go to races, we see them, we're online, we're Facebooking, you know, you are involved and you're following them um, as, they pro- as they live their lives. So you're part of them. So you're top of mind. Um, you, they're just not a, um, a number for us. You know, that's a personality, a person we want to know and we want to have a relationship with. I think that separates us, I think, from the bigger companies. That definitely sounds like a great business model to get people to come back. Yeah, we've been pretty fortunate. I mean, our, our, our friends um, have been really good to us in supporting the local, the local race. I think a lot of them just get fed up with the fact that the bigger companies don't need to do that, so they don't care. Um, and if you don't want to come to their race, that's fine. There's another thousand people who will, who don't know anything about that race, are just going to show up because of the fact that that's a name brand. Yeah, unfortunately, um, a lot of the racers out there, they just follow those big companies. And when they announce the end of their seasons, um, there's a hashtag OCR is dead that was, that was trending. It's like OCR is not dead. And that's part of why we decided to start talking, you know, reaching out directly to all you guys, the race directors of everyone mm-hmm. who's still putting on races, because we'd rather, you know, instead of saying OCR is dead, how about we race local and, and we come out of 2020 OCR strong or OCR stronger, you know? That's a great hashtag. Uh, do you mind if I borrow that one? <laughs> uh, Google it. You'll see it. <laughs> uh, it's actually something that uh, Julie Wolf and uh, Russ Blatt and Mudgear have actually okay. put together, a uh, coalition of local races, which maybe you want to reach out to one of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yes, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, uh, but we're actually a partner of it, so I kind of okay. talk about it sometimes. I try not to during live interview, but... <laughs> <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I, I totally get it. But no, and the, the whole point is, is that this year, you know, OCR is not dead. OCR is getting stronger. OCR is getting local. And that's, that's what we need to do. And, and the, we've pretty much decided, uh, myself and the, the podcast founder, that we're going to focus the rest of this year on just race directors, just race local. And, uh, and we want to get to the point where we're actually doing a race director a week on top of our regular show. So that'd be outstanding. I, I mean, giving people the, that opportunity, that exposure is, is phenomenal. I think it's what the industry needs. I mean, the industry does need diversity and that's really what it comes down to options, opportunities. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, there's enough people out there. There's enough, uh, customers, enough racers to support all of them. Uh, and it might even make them better. Uh, innovation makes everything better and you know the more competition you have the more innovation you have so the more more small races and like you said when you get those local clubs bringing out their obstacles you know they're competing to see who like you said can be the the toughest obstacle the most innovative something mm-hmm. that'll be memorable and and that's what the the sport needs is more innovation and more memorable events yep i, I agree i think otherwise you're basically just taking your your um your followers for granted and you know, again, not to, to knock the national guys, you know, but they're tearing it down and building it every week. And that's why it doesn't matter what city you're in. You kind of know what you're going to be racing. The, mm-hmm. the hills change and the, the mud changes a little bit, but you still have the same 18 to 25 obstacles. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it's a business model that works for them. So, I, I mean, I'm in no way ever putting any company down. That's just their business model. 
Yeah, and it works. how they do it. Yeah, yeah. it works. So, so you, you don't have to mess up a recipe that works. Um, all we're saying is that, hey, there's other options too. You can do them both. You can race in the same two races in a day. Because there are some people <laughs> who will do that. <laughs> They'll go to one race yep. and get and go to the next one. Sign up for the later heats. Yeah, we uh, last year in two days did three races in two states. So, yeah, I know all about oh that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, wow. And then uh, next year, because of the mess that, that happened this year, I've got a bunch of Spartan deferrals. Mm-hmm. And so I've got any trifecta weekend that they have around me and pretty much any trail race I'm already signed up for because they all deferred out of this year. Oh, yeah, that's true. They pushed all the 21. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so getting back to you, I keep getting off subject. I'm a bad that's guy okay. like that. That's <laughs> okay. It's organic conversation. Yeah, exactly. Um so your event is October 5th, right? October 31st. Oh, where did I get the 5th? I don't know. I don't know. We're on, we're on Halloween. So that's kind of an, see, that's another thing that is that because of Halloween now um, being impacted, because who's going to go door to door? I mean, yep. very few people. So we do have a kid's race. We do allow, um, you know, we do encourage people to bring their costumes. You know, let's have, a, let's have some fun. Let's, let's, you know wear your most outrageous costume on the course and let's get some good photographs and some good memories going because, you know, a lot of, a lot of things were sacrificed for 2020, but, you know, I think we could try to make the most of what we have, um, you know, and have a, have a little bit of a party. Now that's awesome. Let's all get out there and uh, dress like our favorite superhero or something, right? Absolutely. We had a group last time because this is, we, we used, we did two races in one year once, but it was just way too much work. So we pared it down to once a year. So the one time we did do it was during October. It was close to Halloween. So the reason I mentioned this is we had a group of Ninja Turtles um, <laughs> race. <laughs> they were all dressed up like them, which is really awesome. So we're hoping to see them come back this year. Uh, that's that's great. And your, your timing is perfect for that. And It's your fifth year. That's where I got the, the fifth from. Yes, fifth, that's yeah, right. That's my bad. But uh, so October 31st mm-hmm. over in Illinois. Yep. Byron, Illinois. Byron, Illinois. So how do people find you on social media, websites, all that good stuff? Uh, FrontlineOCR.com is our website. And you can find us on Facebook at FrontlineOCR, Instagram, FrontlineOCR. Um, we try to keep it pretty simple. Seems to be the best way to do it. That way you're, you're not remembering 8 million passwords and usernames, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, you said the uh, they can use the donation code for Operation Enduring Warrior. If they yep. can go out there and find that. Yep. You know what? I'll, let me pull it up right now, and I'll share it. Because right. you know, not to just go and take money out of your pocket, but you know what? I'd rather see as much as we can going to those guys because those guys come out and run these events in full gear and oh yeah, help adapt to athletes through the races and and you know some of those guys they work real hard to get through those races. Yeah, they do. And that's a testimonial to their grit and their, their mindset. And it's all about, you know, being in the right mindset. So that's sort of what we want other people to see, follow their lead. Um, so that code for Operation Enduring Warrior is um, O-E-W-T-F-S-25. And it's a 25% discount. And we donate back to, um, to, the, to the organization that way. Um, another way that we support uh, first responders and veterans is if you can't make it to the race, we do have a donation page that goes to fund those individuals who we donate races to that are veterans, first responders. So it's called Operation Sponsor a Hero. Um, it's sort of like when you're at a bar and you find out someone's a police officer, or a firefighter, or a veteran, you say, let me buy you a drink. Well, here you're buying them a race. And that's how we basically fund um, 
the the army recruits who come out or the active duty guys who come out and support and do volunteer work. Uh, we, we fund them with these donations. So we provide them a race entry. So someone who's in need, there's a guy who's like in a bad way and they can use a race we want that person to be found and, and that we want them to come to their race and it's not going to cost them anything um, because it's being sponsored by those people who are supporting, you know, the front line. So do they just reach out through the Facebook page to connect with you and say, well, if you, Hey, um... if, if you go to the, um, to the website and you go to the registration link, there is a, um, on our run sign up page, there's sponsor hero. I think it's on the left-hand side and there's a tab there that you can hit and then you can make any type of donation. You can make a dollar or you can pay $65 for a race entry. So that's a really low race entry fee, uh, lower than the, the other heats. So that's someone could do donate a race at that particular moment. And then for the heroes to reach out to you and uh, connect with you. Yep. They could reach out to me. Um, if you, if you know someone, um, a lot of people don't come to us directly. So we actually solicit that by posting online Facebook. Hey, we have four, four race entries just got paid for. Um, you know, first come, first serve. If you know someone who's deserving of a race and needs it and can benefit from the experience, you know, here's the code, you know, reach out to us. We'll give them a code and, you know, they get a race. That's awesome. That's, that's what people need really is just to get them out there. Sometimes it'll be someone that, that, you know, needs it and, and yeah, they just, they don't have the money or they can't uh, find the time. It's like, here it is. You need to go. Let's take away all the obstacles and get you on the course. Absolutely. You said it perfectly. And that's that that encapsulizes what what we're doing with that is that there are people out there who we could save their life by one experience and let them reconnect with some people who are supportive and can understand um, what they're going through. Um, They may not have gone through it, but at least they could be empathetic to it. And they may connect with a group of uh, uh, veterans who they can continue to network with. It's a lifeline, basically. Yeah, the relationships that are built out on course are lifelong relationships, and you get a couple of those guys that are, you know, they could just be a couple of guys with PTSD that are out on course, they connect, and now all of a sudden they're friends for life. Absolutely. We've seen that. We've seen a lot of friendships be developed uh, through obstacle course racing, which is, which is one of the most amazing populations and groups that you can – I've never met any, any, a group of people who are so positive and so um, – they have this can-do attitude. And, you know, they go to these, these really difficult events and they overcome them and they're ready for the next one. And they're actually training and preparing for them. So not only are you doing something positive, but you're now you're regimented because you are training to, and preparing for these events. So you're changing your life almost completely by being involved in obstacle course racing. Yeah, exactly. I, I love obstacle course racing just for that fact right there, because, you know, myself, I've lost about 40 pounds. Our founder and host, he's lost... He's lost over 80 pounds this year, training and focusing. And next year, we're going to be doing competitive racing instead of just open. We're going to run everything twice, you know, once in a competitive heat, once in an open heat. Mm-hmm. So we can compete and still have that uh, race community going out with the open heats. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, the one thing for me is I wish someday that I could get and race in my race. It's just that <laughs> we're so busy with build and then race day. Um, you've got to, you have to be on point. You've got to be putting out fires. And then if you do the race, it's, it's a taxing race that you're going to be worthless to take down. because <laughs> You're just going to be exhausted. So um, it's one of these things where if we ever get enough people to help and volunteer that it would allow us an opportunity to get into the open waves. And that's where I really want to be as I want to run with the regular people and, you know, just get to know them, you know, experience what literally walk a mile in their shoes. You know, we put up these courses, we test the obstacles, they're awesome, 
but to actually run the whole gauntlet from start to finish is what I would love to do. Um, one thing that I found for that, uh, talking with a couple of people and, and the races that we helped put on last year, mm-hmm. um, we ran last, did the trail sweep and, and got an opportunity to run your own course. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you might be a little bit worthless when you get to the end of it as far as trying to do teardown. I don't know what your your design is, if you can come back out the next morning and do teardown or if you just got a teardown registration for the night or what. But uh, that might be an idea on a way for you to get out there and, and court, run your own course. Yeah, it all depends on, on if the course owner is doing a, a motocross event the next day, like a practice. So we have to get everything out of the infield at the very minimum. Ah. So we try, we try to tear that down right away. So... Um, Anything that you'd like to share with the listeners, either about yourself, about your race, or about uh, just some words of advice, things to, to live by, however you want to look at it? Well, here, here's my word of advice is uh, never stop training because you never know when you are going to over have to overcome an obstacle. Um, so it's always good to be physically and mentally prepared to do something like that. Um, in the career I had in the past, it, it paid off being ready because you just never know. You can't be complacent. Something can happen at a moment's notice and you need to be ready to react. You need to be able to function under pressure. So that's one thing, um, you know, and I would urge uh, racers to come out and check out the local races. There's a lot of good obstacles out there. A lot of good race uh, companies that are putting small events on, give them a try. You know, you never know, you might enjoy it and you might come back uh, and you've given them an opportunity knowing the insights of what race directors have to go through. I think that's one of the things that people don't realize is that how much work and effort is put into hosting an event. And if someone's going to go through the trouble of doing that to put on a really good event, you know, and they're putting it on for a good cause, come on and support, you know, come on, support the people who are protecting us to allow us to do these things. Well, hopefully throughout the next year with uh, the local flavor show and getting things going with that, we'll be able to highlight a lot more of what a race director goes through and what your guys' lives are like for these smaller local events. And then in 2021, BeastNet, we're going on a road show and we're going to try to hit as many local events nationally as we can. Well, that'd be awesome. We'd love to host you. We've got a place here for you if you want to crash. Um, you want to do some building? Come on out. We could use the volunteers. <laughs> that, that's, uh, that's definitely something I got to get good at. We just tore down our, our obstacle course in one town and moved it 15 miles and I found that pretty much everything that we had to tear down was not usable again so it's going to be a complete rebuild of what we had we got a lot of wood a lot of good wood but uh like anything that was cross boards or anything it was you know just too much time in direct sunlight they didn't paint it every year so it just it's gotten rotten so yeah that's a great point you mentioned we've got to get out there and, and do some maintenance work um on some of the obstacles that we have out there permanently so yeah that's that's very good advice all right. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show today. and I appreciate uh, you having us. Yeah, no, it'll be great if we can uh, make the race next year, close to Halloween. Uh, it's kind of a toss-up. Most years, I'm up in Alaska um, mm-hmm. for their permanent fund distribution. And this year, because of COVID, we've got a complete travel ban at work. So I'm stuck. I can't even get on a plane for personal travel. Right. Um, <clears throat> but hopefully by next year, that's open and I'll be hopefully back by uh, the time you host your race and maybe Mike and I can fit that into our road show. Absolutely. Well, you know what? The thing is, um, our original date was May 16th. So I think we're going to go back to that May date. We only pushed it to October because of COVID. Um, So we try to coincide with Armed Forces Day. So whatever Armed Forces Day in May is going to be of 2021, that'll be the date of the race. Uh, That's that makes even better sense. Yep. We just had to push it back. We didn't want to we didn't want to move to 21. We wanted to at least give it a try and 
so far so good. Awesome. I uh, look forward to, to seeing you out on course hopefully next year and uh, early in the, early in the year next year I'll reach out to you and we'll go ahead and uh, and do another episode if you'd like uh, either Absolutely. with you or with or with your partner and and talk about uh, things for 2021. Yeah, you got it, man. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for coming on. And uh, when this goes to air, I'll send you a uh, Facebook message probably the morning of or okay. a couple of days before. Uh, it's about a week out, I think, maybe a week and a half out on this one. Fantastic, Don. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Thanks again, Ed. And uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Be safe out there. Thank you. All right. Bye. bye. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook. Like and share the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear.